Welcome, welcome. And, 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 and my mother mentioned that we continue the book of Acts tomorrow. So the, the, the scripture that you could read is Acts 5, verses 1 to 35. So as I share, before I share the word, let me just ask the Lord to just to be with us. Father, I thank you that over and over when I speak, I am mindful that it is your people and never mine. I am mindful that it is you who they need to hear and not me. I am mindful, Father God, that your word, your words make a difference where mine wouldn't. And you are the one who transforms hearts where I can't. And so, Father, I come showing my need and my dependency on you. I know not what you would want to say other than what I have, but I am, I, but I am open, Father, that you will speak through me as your spirit gives me utterance. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God. So welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to NLH again. You were welcome before, as I said earlier. The topic of my message this morning is empowered to live harmoniously and to give generously. I will repeat, empowered to live harmoniously and to give generously. We continue the book, the study of Acts, as you see, we have started the study of Acts now for, for a couple of weeks. And last, last week, Tashina spoke, not last week, the week before Tashina spoke from Acts three and four, and I will continue this week to speak on Acts 4, verses 32 to Acts 5, verse 1 to 11. I heard Laverne and Mumi speaking as if they were privy to my message, and I'm saying, wow, they spoke with such, it's like they were just picking up the information off my page, and I'm saying, wow, God, Mumi didn't know what I'm speaking about. Laverne just got my topic this morning about a minister five, so she would never have an idea of what I'm speaking on. But thank God, that it is one Holy Spirit. And so it just confirmed that this is what he wants us to be speaking about this morning. So my question to you, is, questions are, what are the desires that motivate your action? Think about it. What are the desires that motivate your action? And the next question is, in what ways do they contradict or encourage the way you live in harmony with others or give generously? What are the desires that motivate your action? And in what ways do these desires contradict or encourage the way you live in harmony with others or give generously? Acts 4, 32 to 5, verse 11 is a continuation of Acts 3, the story where a 40-year-old man who was born lame was healed by Peter and John through the power of the Holy Spirit. The people who knew him as the lame beggar were astonished about his healing. In response to them, Peter and John preached that it was by faith in the name of Jesus who was resurrected from the dead, that this layman was healed. Their preaching was perceived by some and about 
received rather by some, and about 5,000 the scripture tells us, not including women and men who heard the message, believed the message, and became a part of the church of the, in Jerusalem or the, the Jerusalem church. However, the sentiments were not the same for all. So some heard, believed and received, but some heard and were disturbed. And so the priests, the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead were disturbed by the message. And so they ordered that Peter and John be arrested. But because they were not found guilty of any crime, they were warned not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, and then they were released. Peter and John went warned not to speak in the name of Jesus. They, they, they said, what, what, which is right in God's eyes? Do I listen to you or do I listen to him who I love and who I fear and who I believe that is the risen Lord? Nothing could stop them and they refused to heed the warning. And they said to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have heard and seen. As soon as they were released, Peter and John went to the other believers, told them what transpired, and they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. After they prayed, God responded to their spontaneous prayers. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And when I did the research, it said it was an earthquake and archaeologists um, prove that that area there was an earthquake because they saw the change in the plates and under that area where the building was. So it is proven that there was a tremor. They were all filled with the, with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. I want you to turn your scriptures with me to Acts 4. And we are, gonna, we are going to read it this morning. It may take a little bit of time. But I want us to look at the scripture this morning. Cause our eyes to see it. We're accustomed to just being told the, 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 what the, the person who prepared to speak gets or, or garners from the scripture. But let us read it together and see what is God saying to you. We're going to start reading from verse 31. And we're going to read all the way to verse 11 of chapter 5. And so to preserve my voice, I'm going to ask two persons to read. One to read verse chapter 4, verses 31 to 37, and another person to read chapter 5, verses 1. Okay, I'll start at 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With po great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There, was, there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, 
those who owned lands and or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyrus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Someone can pick up from um, okay. chapter 5. Ananias. <clears throat> Ananias and Sapphira. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Amen. Thank you so much, Mumi Laverne. I want you, to, if you're someone who marks your, mark your Bible like me, I just want you to underline some words. <clears throat> Grab a pencil, pen, mark, whatever you normally would use if you do normally, if you normally do. In verse what, 37, I want you to underline the word, they were all, all filled after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And the word I, words I wanted to underline are all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In verse 32, I wanted to understand, underline the words again. All the believers were one in heart and mind. I wanted to... I want it to follow me and I want it and I'm hoping that you're seeing something as we go. We're using the, it's saying the word all. It says no one, underline the word no one. 
then but they shared everything they had they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of jesus christ but your bible going to get all marked up in this in this chapter god's grace was powerfully at work in them all, all, I wanted to underline the word all again. No needy persons. From time to time. Anyone who had apostles feet, sorry, and then anyone who had a need. In verse 35. In chapter 5, Laverne read, no, but if you are reading from a different version like the NLT or any other version, it's going to say, but, underline that word, but. In verse 3, I want it to underline, Satan has filled your heart. And you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 4, at the end, he says, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Verse 5, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all again who heard what had happened. In verse 9, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? And in, great, and in verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I'll get back to those at a different times. I just want you to, so when you're going back to read you will, you, you will recognize that there's a theme there. There's an all, all the believers, all the people who heard. So this speaks about an entire, it speaks about all means all, including everyone who were believers. As I said to you before, that as soon as they were released, they went to the disciple, other disciples and they prayed together and they lifted their voices and God just responded. He shook the building that they were in. And the Holy Spirit filled them and they spoke the word of God boldly. We observed that Jerusalem disciples' desires changed. That the, 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 the Jerusalem desires, the, the change having been filled with the Holy Spirit. So notice, it says, so verse 31 tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in the word, but 32, right after that, 32 says, what happened? They were one in heart and they were one in mind. In essence, they were living harmoniously with each other. So the disciples were empowered when they prayed and they became one in heart, one in mind. They were one in heart and mind because they were, they, they were 
filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm repeating myself because I want you to get it. They were one in heart and one in mind because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in the word of God and they were all were one in heart and mind. I'm just going to keep repeating that because I want you to get it. They, they, it didn't say some. It didn't say Peter and the other apostles. It didn't say the 120 who were filled in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It says all the believers who were there were filled with the Holy Spirit and became one in heart and mind. So let us look at who these all were. All would have included the apostles, the 12 apostles. All would have included the, the women and the family of Jesus who were there from Acts 1, 13 to 15, when they, the 120 were filled together with the Holy Spirit on, on the day of Pentecost. All would have included the, 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 the 3,000 who were added in Acts 2, verse 41, when the scripture said that 3,000 were added to them that day. All would have included the 5,000, not including women and children, who, because of here, seeing the man, the layman being healed, heard Peter's message of repentance, and 5,000 more. So imagine thousands of persons who believed that Jesus was resurrected from the dead were one in heart and one in mind. Think about it. It's not nine people like what are on NLH now. It's not four people. It's not 3,000 people. It's thousands of people were one in heart and mind because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice, they became one in heart and mind because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The community of believers were in agreement with each other. They lived in harmony. Because that is what one in heart and mind means. It meant that they were in harmony. They, 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 they experienced a closeness never experienced before. Their hearts were changed. They were controlled. They were overtaken by the Holy Spirit. They were one in heart and mind. Being one in heart and mind does not speak of uniformity. Actually, it speaks of unity. I'll repeat, being one in heart and mind does not speak about uniformity. It speaks about unity. They were one in heart and mind because they were filled. I keep repeating it. I just want you to see it. That when we find that we are not in one with, with each other, when we are not in harmony with each other, what is it saying? Is, is, are we giving a message? Are we, is there something for us to know that once we are not one in heart and mind, something is happening? They were one in heart and mind. 
because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They are one in heart and mind because they were in harmony. They were one in heart and mind because God had done a work through their life through the Holy Spirit. Never was there ever experienced a closeness like that before amongst persons who are strangers, but they were no longer strangers. They were now a community, a family of believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit, had similar belief and purpose, and they were joined now together by the Holy Spirit. Harmony is a unique quality of every Christian community. It is nothing that was unique to them. It is something that is, is a quality or a virtue that, they, that, they, that God expects of any community that bears his name. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, he comes to, to, to empower us to live in a particular way to represent him. Remember Jesus said to the disciples in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, Love as I have loved you, because this is the only way those who are looking on will know that you belong to me, that you are my disciples. It's because of the love for each other that will be demonstrated. And so although they are different, although they are different in, in looks and different in, 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 the, in, in the way they were, they were living and different in the, in the experiences, they were one in heart and mind, which meant that they were transparent before each other. They were honest to each other. They were caring. They were loving. They were authentic. They were accountable. They were trustworthy. And above all, they were living in harmony. Think about it. They were living in harmony. And so I want you to listen. I want you to watch this clip with me. I hope it comes through. I hope it comes through. Two minutes and 20 seconds. Instruments of the orchestra.
So I'm, I'm going to cut my video short because I, I, for the sake of time. I want you to understand that you, you recognize that initially what you heard were different instruments playing, all belonging to different, having different musical notes. We, we heard the violin, we heard the, the flute, we heard the, the trumpet, we you heard the different instruments. And individually, they had their own notes. Individually, they produced their own sounds. And they, and, and they were all individually competing or rivaling to be the center stage. But at the end, when you heard that music together, when they all came together and you heard majesty, what you heard was a harmonizing of pitches and tones to form an orchestra where there were now no superstars, no one competing, but all blending together to make harmony, to make that sound. Because the musical notes of each instrument differs, the conductor must carefully select the instruments and the part each instrument must play for the ensemble. He must provide the interpretation of the music being performed to create harmony, set the tempo, and shape the sound of the ensemble. The Holy Spirit is synonymous to the conductor of the orchestra. Guess who are the, guess who are the instruments? You and I are the instruments. And what he does, he empowers you and I with different thoughts, different desires, different skill sets, different talents and motivations to work together and to live together in harmony to complete the mission of Christ. He works in you, he works in me. He works in us, not on the outside of us to change our hearts with which influences our actions. He brings about heart change, not behavior modification or external conformity. The disciples living in harmony were no longer afraid because think about, think about the orchestra. When, when someone blows the flute or someone plays the, the, the violin or the cello or, 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 or the trombone or, 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 the, or, or whatever the, the harp or whatever the instruments are, they come together not wanting to stand out or to stick out, but they want to blend together to make the most beautiful sound there ever is. Because who wants to go to a concert that's living, listening to a, to, to, to a trombone only? Who wants to go listening to a flute only for three hours? No one. But when you go and you hear the different instrument blending, you'll sit for hours just basking in the harmony of it all as the pitches come together and the chords and the tones are formed and you hear a beautiful and melodious sound ringing forth. That's the same thing with you and I as disciples. When I stick out and I try to stand alone, who wants to hear me by myself? When I try to be the superstar, who wants to be the superstar in the mission of Christ? Because in the mission of Christ, there's only one superstar and his name is Jesus. So the disciples knew that in order for us to accomplish and to the, the mission of Christ, we had to be in harmony. They all needed to play a role. They all understood that there was a place for me, but it was not a place to be a superstar. It was a place to blend together, to work 
together, to be in agreement and join together to make the mission of Christ successful. They were no longer afraid because God's remarkable grace, loving kindness and favor rested upon them and they were now empowered to continuously testify about the resurrection of Jesus. They never had to speak on their own. They never had to go and testify on their own because there was this all component. They were working together. No one claimed to have anything of his own. So how do you and I, as believers of disciples, our disciples of Christ, live and in harmony with each other? in the community of believers, especially here at NLH. We must recognize that we cannot live in harmony without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the truth is no one who does not repent of their sins and believe in Jesus and confess that he's Lord can be endued or embodied or empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the first base foundational, acceptance of Christ, repentance of sin, accepting that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then that gives you the opportunity and the power to and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Harmony requires diligence. It requires patience. It is you seeing things in me that you don't like, but deciding I'm going to be patient with her. Even though it is killing me, I am choosing to be patient with her. I am choosing to be patient with you. And sometimes it is very difficult because you have reached to the end of your rope and God is saying to you, be patient. But it is also diligence. It is not me coming to give, giving what I want to give, but it is me coming to give my best because I know that my role in this orchestra, in this community is important. And what I give to the orchestra, what I give to the community will dictate the, the, the blessings, which will dictate the flourishing of the community. It is not only diligence and patience, but it is also humility. I heard Tashina mention it this morning. She quoted Philippians 2 about Jesus not considering equality with Christ, God, something to be, to, be, to be grasped. But he humbled himself and became nothing. It's a harmony requires a humbling of oneself. Recognizing that I come to serve you. And that's what God has called me to do. And that is why no one claimed that any of their possession was their own. Because they understand that if I come to serve you, how can I serve you if I don't give you my best? They were united. There were people pursuing the same goal to make the same beautiful music. And when harmony is achieved, it touches not only those singing or playing, but everyone listening. If I'd played that song to the end, not only were the, 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 the men and women in the orchestra benefiting, imagine when they finished and they, they said, oh, that was beautiful. Everything was in place. But think about the, about the audience who heard the melody, who heard the music, who heard the harmony. 
living in harmony with one another in everyday life isn't too different than making musical harmony. But for most of us, it's a target just as elusive and fleeting. But like musical harmony, it is worth fighting for. Do you know how many hours of practice they would have gone through to achieve what we just heard? Do you know how hard it would have been for them to practice together and to practice at home by themselves to get that harmony, to produce that joy? It is worth fighting for to produce joy and a life of harmony. And those who pursue it touches not only themselves, but touches everyone around them. Because as you and I practice to live in harmony, I am changed. Those who are looking on it are changed. The persons I'm serving are changed. Romans 12, 16, 20 says, to live in harmony with one another. He says, Paul says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with each person of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil because it is easy. It takes nothing to, to do back to you what you have done to me. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you and as far as it depends on me, Paul said, live at peace with everyone. Do not take re revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, God says, and I will repay. On the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Because in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And listen, the motive is not to heal, heap the coal of flames on their heads or coals of shame on their heads. The motive is to live in harmony. That is the motive. That is what Paul is saying. And so Paul is saying, though it is difficult, though it is hard, though it is work, Though it is, it is something that you have to persist and you have to humble yourself. He says it is worth fighting for. And he says, because it is worth fighting for, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The disciples were not only empowered to live in harmony, but they were empowered to give generously. And we see that in verse 34. God's grace was powerfully at work in them, and this produced generosity. It says, from time to time, which means as the need arises within the community, those who own land or houses voluntarily sold them and brought the money from the sales to the apostles to give to those in need. And I read it and I said, wow. So, it meant because going to the apostles was still like going to giving to the church because it was a church. They, they physically met every day and they, and they read the word and they studied the word and they broke bread together. It was a church community. And one would have said, okay, does it, but why wouldn't, if I know that X have a need, why wouldn't I not go and give it to X? If I know John had a need, why would I not sell what I'm selling and go and give it to John or go and give it to Peter or go and give it to Susan or Mary? The scripture is sh sharing us with us 
that the possibility of us having the wrong motive, when we brought, when it was brought to the apostles' feet, no one would have known who gave it to them to thank. No one would have known that I received this from John Brown, so I need to be eternally grateful. No one would have known that this was a gift from Mary Stroke, so I need to, to, to always allow her to know that I so appreciate it, and I, and, and I have to make sure because she had blessed me. When they brought it to the disciples' feet, it was distributed to whomever had a need. So no one would have known this gift is coming to you from Laverne or it's coming to you from Jaden or, from, or, or, or it's coming to you from Jabari. They would have known that this is a gift from the community, the church community. So let us look at what generosity is. Generosity is not giving. Surprise you, right? Because one would have said generosity is giving. Generosity is not giving because everyone gives. You and I give things to whom we want to give. Sometimes we give quickly. Sometimes we, we, we quickly give things to those who are in need. Sometimes we give expecting a return. Sometimes we give expecting public recognition or praise. Sometimes we give only because we are forced or coerced. And the truth is, we, we find it easier to give some things more than others. So I will give you something that I may not want again, or, or I have a lot of, and I think that you should need it as opposed to what you need. On the other hand, a generous person gives good things. They give things freely. They give abundantly. They give according to the need of those, the existing need. So they do not give me bread when, the, when I need a shoes. They have no expectation of return. And they are not waiting to be acknowledged or praised. That's the difference between someone who is generous and someone who gives. From Acts 4, 32, 37, we observe generosity. And in, and in Acts 5, 11, we observe deceptive giving. Those who were filled with the Holy Spirit did not give things. They gave, I heard Laverne said this morning when she spoke about the tithe and offering. She said, we give of ourselves. We give everything to the Lord. Those who were filled with the Holy Spirit did not give things. They gave everything. And as a result, the poor became one in heart with the rich. The ones who had little became one in heart with the ones who had more. And the timid became one in heart with the bold. Through their generosity, they demonstrated that they were a community of unity, love, and harmony. It must be understood that selling one's property or properties and giving the proceeds to the church was never a requirement of the church then. And it is still not a requirement of the church today. No one asks you. There is no dogma or doctrine that says that you sell your property and give it to the church. However, what we noticed that because their hearts were changed, because they were in one heart and one mind, 
they demonstrate their generosity and love for each other by selling what they had so that those who needed their needs could have been met. They were focused on the need of the community as a family rather than the, on their individual needs. And if you, when you continue to read further, you will recognize that it was a good thing they gave them away to those who were in need because when persecution came, they had to run away. Imagine persecution came a couple chapters later and they had to run away and leave all that they had. They could not take their land. They could not take their field. They could not take their beds. So that if they caught a wind of it and they discerned early that these things are temporary. Why am I holding and clutching to these things? And I'm not encouraging you to sell what you have to give to NLH. But I'm encouraging you today to give generously to NLH. And I'd be bold enough to say that. I told the Lord when I was preparing this message, I said, God, you know, I don't like to speak about money. But I'm going to be bold today because it's my responsibility. If I don't tell you, who's going to tell you? And yes. You may see me as, as, a, as a pastor who are always asking. I may, be, I, I may be put in that category today, but today I, I, I can sit here boldly and say to you, I don't care. I really don't care. Because you know what I care about? I care about your soul. I care about the fact that you do not understand the implications of not being generous, what it means. I care about the fact that you, you, you lack the, 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 the care and the concern that God thinks about you and he's saying to you, all that you have, I can provide. But you don't trust me enough. And that is why you hoard. So let us look at a life of just generosity and a life of deceptive giving. Barnabas will be considered one who gave generously. He was motivated to do good because of a transformed heart. On the other hand, the, 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 the but that we saw in, in chapter 5 that says but speaks of the, 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 a contrast, a strong contrast between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Though the couple were united together, in their desire and their actions, they were in disunity with the church community. So you can be one with someone, but you're missing out on what God is saying. You're missing out on being a part of the community of God because you're one because you have similar desires, but you're not one with God because your desires does not align with him. Even though their actions seemed similar to that of Barnabas, their desire was motivated by an untransformed heart. So notice, Barnabas was the all believers who were filled and became one in heart and no one claimed and they shared everything they had. And you know the truth is, Ananias and Sapphira were part of that, 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 that community. They were the disciples of Christ who was present, at, present when the Holy Spirit shook the building, they were, would have been filled with the Holy Spirit and they bore, spoke the word of God boldly. They sold their land as, as, as Barnabas did. Barnabas gave all. They kept back apart and nothing was wrong with keeping back apart because that didn't make them sin. What made them sin was that they lied. They pretended that they gave their all when in fact they gave apart. They sinned not because they kept back the money, 
but because they pretended that the whole procedure of the sale was given to the apostles. Barnabas lived a life of surrender. He was surrendered to the Holy Spirit and that is the only way our hearts can be transformed. He is giving what motivated by God's grace that was powerfully at work in him through the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, Ananias and Sapphira is like Judas as we see in John 13, 27. They were around Jesus. They were with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, they were with the community, they, 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 they saw everything, they, they experienced everything, but because they were unsurrendered, because they were not surrendered, their hearts were not transformed. They loved money. And like Judas, they were tempted with money. Look at this, look at the similarity between Judas, Ananias, and Sapphira. Their hearts, Peter said to them in, in, in verse 3 of chapter 5. Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart? So here it is. Barnabas' heart was filled with the Holy Spirit. But Ananias and Sapphira's heart was filled with the, with, the, with the enemy, with Satan. He says, you have tested the spirit of God in verse 9 of chapter 5. I looked further at Barnabas. His name was Joseph. And because he was such an encourager, he was a generous encourager, they called him the son of encouragement. So you realize that in generosity is not only about giving of your possession. The problem is, though, many of us think we will quick to say it's not giving of our possession. But we will, it is also so much tied because if you're generous, you give everything. You give your time, you give your money, you give everything that is important to you. You don't give away not only the thing that you don't want or the thing that you have excess of. And all of us, when, if we stop to think we know persons who are generous and if we stop to think we know people who are deceptive givers. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look like Barnabas. They wanted to look as if they were generous they wanted to look at the look, give the impression of something that they were not. Where Barnabas freely gave because he had an internal liberty. They gave out of external conformity. And their lifestyle on the outside was one, but on the inside they were deceptive. Where Barnabas trusted God and had faith in the provision of God's care that frees him from anxiety, fear, and lack of freedom of things so that he could freely give. And he was free to give and love the people. Ananias and Sapphira could not free, were not free. They did not trust God's faith. They did not trust God's provision. They had received the Holy Spirit, but they failed to yield to his sanctification power. They demonstrated fake internal liberty. But all they experienced, as I said before, was behavior modification. They did what was required of them. They did what, was, what, what, what they, they, everybody else was doing so that they could fit in. They gave because everybody was giving. But their hearts were not surrendered. They, their hearts was not conformed to what the Holy Spirit was doing. 
Barnabas knew that his every thought was laid bare before the Holy Spirit. Therefore, his generosity was not to earn God's favor or to please the apostle and the people. Ananias and Sapphira didn't even stop to realize that when we lied to the people, when we lied to the apostles, we were not only lying to them, we were lying to the Holy Spirit. So every Sunday when, when the offering is collected and you make a declaration and say, I declare that I'm a giver, and you know you're not giving, you are not only lying to NLH, you are lying to the Holy Spirit. And when you stand there and declare it and you hold your hand up when we say hold your hand up and you know deep down in your heart that you're not giving, you are lying to the Holy Spirit and you have been testing the Holy Spirit. And this morning I will not care what you think because I will not sit here anymore because the Lord has been convicted me and that because of my pride, I have not been responding. Generosity was a demonstration of Barnabas' faith and love for Christ. He did not give it out of compulsion the way Ananias and Sapphira gave out of compulsion. He did not give to impress the apostles or the people. Ananias and Sapphira gave to impress. And that is why when they brought it and laid it at the feet, and, and, and Paul said to, Peter said to them, Ananias, is this all? They lied and even the wife lied and said, yes, this is all we got. And when they could have said, no, we sold and gave you half, nobody expected them to give all. Ananias and Sapphira's giving was motivated by the need for recognition. And in essence, they were saying that they placed the money at the disciples' feet. See, I am giving too. See, I am giving too. They ended up lying to the Holy Spirit, which caused them their lives. And I want to ask you this question this morning. When you think about Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira, in what ways are you like Barnabas? And in what ways are you like Ananias and Sapphira? And I want you to stop and analyze it. Because you, I may not see your heart and you may, and you may have many thoughts towards me this morning. But guess what? I know the Holy Spirit is the one. I try to avoid this message as much as I could. I avoided it. I avoided it. I, I, I would turn it in every other way. And I could not get away from it because the Lord says to me, it is your responsibility. It is your responsibility to speak to the people of NLH and those who are listening on Mixlr and on YouTube who will listen that if they, if, if they are not giving to the work of the Lord, they are shortchanging themselves. Do you give generously without compulsion? Do you give gifts to impress others that you are also giving? Do you announce your giving to feel good about yourself? The truth is, when you give to NLH, I get a stipend. Let me put it out there. I get a stipend every month. When you give to NLH, I get a stipend. I'm putting it out there. But I am not asking you to give because I want a stipend. Because whether you give or not, God is going to provide for me. As he has already done. Three years ago, he provided for me when I was not getting a stipend. So it showed me that my, 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 your, your money is not what God is using to bless me only. But I am telling you that I get a stipend. So I want you to know. But when you do not give, you also 
hinder the work of God through NLH because there are people God have called NLH to be a hands and feet to. So when you give generously, persons are blessed and kept from hunger and given a roof over their heads. But when you do not give, God's grace cannot powerfully work in you to meet the needs of those he has called NLH to serve. The truth is each month, there are persons that we give something to, a stipend, a, 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 a donation, whatever we want to call it, or we tithe to. And when you give, you make it possible for God's work to be furthered. But when you don't give, you are withholding what God has provided for NLH through you. When you don't give, you are in disobedience as a disciple of Christ. When you don't give, you don't understand what it is to be in one heart and mind. Or even when you sparingly give, because as I said to you before, there are deceptive givers who give for the wrong motive. This morning I am speaking to the deceptive givers that we need all to get to that place, to get to that place of giving generously. And I am not asking you to sell your car and your house and give it to NLH. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying to you, let your giving, let your giving come up before the Lord as a sweet smelling savor that the Lord would see you and be pleased because your heart, your heart is transformed. When you do not give generously, it reveals that you're a resistive person in the community of NLH community and God is seeing your heart. When I don't know if you give or when you don't give, I may not know. But God knows. I may not see if you give or you don't give because I'm not the accountant. But God sees and God knows. When you give, it is a sign that you trust God. When you can generously give, it is a sign that you trust God for your provision and not yourself. And if you find that you cannot give generously, you need to examine your heart. Could it be that instead of being filled with the Holy Spirit who transformed the heart of, of Barnabas, like Judas, Ananias, and Sapphira, your hearts are filled with Satan. I can't, I can't, I would have loved to soften it. I would have loved to make it different. I would have loved to say it differently, but I can't say it any other way because I, I'm going to stand before the Lord as one responsible. And so when I speak, what I say, the Lord was telling me, I have not slept all night last night because I tried to change it. At which it, I could not go around because all I kept saying was the all standing before me, the one in heart and mind, and the generous giving. And the Lord is saying, How do you escape? And I'm saying to myself, How did I get this script? Why did I, how did I land at this place? Why did I get this part of it? Couldn't it be given to Tashina or to Anne or to Reef or to Laverne or to Tamar or to Karen or to Ruth or to Dana? Couldn't any one of them else get it? But the Lord is saying, no, the responsibility is yours. As the one I have called to lead NLH, the responsibility is yours to tell my people that when they do not give, it's because their hearts are unsurrendered, not surrendered to him, the Holy Spirit. Because yes, he comes and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. But if after you are filled, your hearts are not surrendered. 
like Ananias and Sapphira, you'll be deceptive, you'll be hypocritical. Because that's what they were, they were hypocritical. Hypocrisy. They gave because they wanted everybody to know that they were giving. Giving generously shows that we trust God for our care. We do not need to fear that his provision is not guaranteed and insufficient. Because the truth is, God's provision is enough. You may think that when you go to job eight to five, Monday to Friday, and you may get a paycheck and you may feel good that I earned it. I earned it, I worked it, and this is mine to spend. The truth is, if God allowed just a simple flu, a simple flu to take you, you can't even go through the door to earn that dollar. The truth is, if God bring allow some ache and pain, allow, I didn't say bring because he doesn't bring sickness. But if he, if, if he just said, okay, if, if the enemy comes and presents and said, have you considered my servant? And he says, okay, go ahead. And he allows some sickness of some sort to come. One eye can't open because of one reason, not blind, you know, just something. One organ in the body starts to malfunction. The truth is no matter how you think that the provision is yours, God is going to show you it is not about you, it's about him. So from Barnabas' life, what did I learn? I learned that a person's heart is loosening the relationship to things and tightening the relationship to people when they believe that all they have belong to God. Here it is. Loosening the relationship to things so you don't hold up things and I have to hold on to my money, I have to hold on to my car, I can't give her a ride in my car because I don't want her to mess up my car, I can't do, give her my house to sleep in because I, mm -mm. When your heart is loosening the relationship to things and loosening the relationship to people, it shows that you understand the concept that all that you have and all that you are is because of God. When God fills our hearts with the spirit, the result of our filling is a transformed heart that responds with spontaneous give generosity. If you find that you're not generous, check it out. You're not surrendered. And I have to say the same. If I find that when the Lord moves upon my heart to give and I, and I question the giving, I have to question my, my heart. Is my heart transformed? Is the Holy Spirit fully in control of my heart? Because it, I just explained earlier that when the Holy Spirit fills your heart, he overtakes it, he controls it, he empowers it to do what he wants you to do. So if you find that you're, in, you're not doing what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do, you mean that you're not surrendered. You mean that your heart not transformed. And, I, and I'm saying you, I mean we, when we become united to Christ by faith, we become united to people by love. When we become united to Jesus by faith, it costs us the bonds of love to things. Things no longer have the same value to us. Things no longer compare or, or, rivals or rival our love for people. We cannot be united in love to people and be united in love for things. We cannot be united in love to people and be united in our love for things. Living a life of 
of, of, of harmony and living a life of, of generosity is not for the faint-hearted. It's not a natural thing. Some people naturally, I know people who are naturally givers. They give without you. They just hear a need and instantly they start to wonder, how can I meet that need? And, 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 and they, they, those may be the few. But the truth is God calls you and I to be natural, generous people. It requires practice done over and over until it becomes a character trait. Living in harmony requires me being patient with you over and over and over for with me serving you in humility over and over and over until God says, no, you need to, this is it. Being generous means giving over and over and over until it becomes a character trait. Laverne quoted Psalm Proverbs 11.25 this morning, and she tells us that a generous man will be prosperous. And every last one of us on this line wants to be prosperous. But the truth is none of us, none of us are at the place to that, for that generosity, for that prosperity that we want. We want everything from God, but we are willing to give nothing to the work of God. We give sparingly if we give and when we give. We give announcing it because we want to be, to be praised. We give so that others will know that we are giving because we want to feel as if we are part of everything. And the truth is, Proverbs eleven twenty one says, is he who refreshes others will be themselves be refreshed. A generous man will be prosperous because he refreshes others. And as a result, he himself will be refreshed. He gives generously so that God will see his heart and say, I can give him generously because I can see his knee. Imagine, I had a thought as I was preparing this and I, and I said, God, if every member of NLH gets two million US dollar, honestly, what would they do with that money? And I can guarantee you on the list coming down maybe to a number five, a lot of what you have up to number five would be about you. For those who need a house, they will buy a house. For those who need a car, they will buy a car. For those who need, everything will be about you on the list. And nothing is wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Because I, I, my list may have been, would have been like yours. But God is saying to, to us at NLH. If all you can think about is you, why would I bless you? If all you can think about is about you, why would I give you more and more and more and more and more and more for you? When I'm giving you more so that you can give a part of what I give you to others. So that those who are in need would have that no one will claim that their position is on because they shared everything they had. Two weeks ago, the Lord said to me, gratitude opens the door for more. But I'm going to add generosity to it. Generosity opens the door for more. The more you give, 
the more God replaces. And get, don't get me wrong, we don't give to for God to replace. We give for God because we're out of our grateful hearts. Thank you, Lord, that when it rained, I was I, I, I had I had a roof over my over my head. Thank you, Lord, that I had clothes to put on this morning, though it may not be new. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not in the hospital, and because of that, I want to give. A generous heart is not deceptive and hypocritical. A generous heart wants to give. A harmonious heart is not wanting one who wants to stand out as a superstar and stand and, 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 and upstage others. A harmonious heart wants to work in harmony, wants to be blended together, wants to work in agreement with others so that we can do it together. So harmoniously we can produce that which God has called us to produce. And so this morning I go back to my original question that I asked you earlier when we started. What are the desires that motivate your actions? In what ways do your desires contradict or encourage the way you live in harmony with others or in the way you give generously? And that's something I want you to, to wrestle with. Because though I may not understand or know your thoughts, and the truth is you may not even like me right now or think negative thoughts about me, the truth is, you stand before one who sees your heart and knows your thoughts. I don't have to know it. I don't have to know it. But I would be amiss this morning if I did not tell you what I sense the Lord was saying. Is it, was it an easy message to deliver? No. But it's just something that I had to do. Because for months, the Lord has been saying it to me. Any late people are not givers. He said, NLH people who come Sunday after Sunday, they are not givers. They think about themselves. And don't get me wrong, there are people who give. There are people who give, and we thank you for those who have been given. We thank you for those who have been sacrificial, give, sacrificially given. But the Lord is saying to us as a community, NLH, you are not givers. You want to be prosperous. But you will not be refreshed because you are not refreshing others. And so this morning, I thank you, Father. I thank you for speaking through me, God, because you know how difficult this was for me. My pride, and I, and I had this discussion many weeks before with different persons about my pride. But this morning, God, I choose to, to, to say to my pride, be gone. Because God, I will not stand before you as judged because I did not bring your word. And so Father, there are those who would hear the word this morning and I know they would not be in agreement because I would sound like the pastors who are always talking about giving, 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 giving like a broken record. But Lord, you deal with the hearts of your people. As my friend would say to me, God, they are your people. They are not my people. They are your people. You deal with your people because, Lord God, as we surrender ourselves before you, you work in our hearts. God, may we trust you enough to surrender. May we trust you enough to surrender. That everything that we have will belong to you. And so that you can trust us with more and more and more.
because we would not hoard, we would give. And so, Father, bless your word as I pray. May this word not, be fo not fall on deaf ears. May it not fall on hard ground, stony ground. May it not only grow up for today and tomorrow it is back to normal because it, the sun will come and it will wither. But I pray that it will fall on fertile soil. That even these women and many that they do not know, if they no longer remain in any late, God, it will be a message that they will take wherever you take them that they will be givers in every setting. They will be generous in every setting. And so may your word, Father, take root in their hearts and bring forth a harvest, God. May they trust you for their care and their provision. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.